You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hopefully, has a series blessed you guys? I mean, golly, it's, uh, if anything, man, it has challenged me in so many ways. And uh, today, we are talking about another aspect of prayer, and we're talking about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Um, and, and fasting is one of those things where we, we've, you hear it quite a bit, right? If you read God's Word, you see it quite a bit. But it's also one of those things that if we're not careful, we can, uh, we can make it into our own thing. We can make it into something that we think we're fasting, uh, but many times we might just be going through the motions. And so what I want to do is I want us to look at God's Word and see where Jesus talks about fasting, see where God's Word talks about fasting, learn from those examples, and then I want us to apply it to our lives and see how it truly is a benefit for you and for me. As I was doing some study on fasting, uh, I, I did some study and I found out that the word prayer, uh, not, this isn't including pray or praying, but the word prayer is found 121 times in God's Word. A third of those times, fasting is connected to those scriptures. A third of the time. So fasting then must be a pretty crucial part or should be a crucial part in a building block of our faith. It should be, right? But many times, um, especially living in America, right, it's easy to put fasting kind of on the back burner because I like going to Smitty's Garage and get me a hamburger cheeseburger that's got some peanut butter on it. You know what I'm saying? Like I like going and getting a cheeseburger every now and then. It's easy to... Um, to not, uh, to not fast. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast. Jesus told us when you fast, meaning you should be fasting from time to time. When you do it, here's how you should do it. And so what I want to look at first is this. First fill in the blank, if you're taking notes, is, is what does it mean to fast? What does it really mean? Let's look at some scripture. What, what does it really mean to fast? And, and not through our perspective, like I said, but through the perspective of God's word. And so obviously the first place we want to start is we want to look at Jesus. When did he talk about it? In Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. You know, uh, early on in the series, we talked about in Matthew 6 where Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave us the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, right? And so what's, what's amazing, we're talking about prayer and fasting. Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you pray, pray like this. And then immediately after that passage, he says, when you fast fast like this. And so let's read it together. It says this. It says, moreover, this is Jesus. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely, I'd say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your father, who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You can see it's almost identical to when he talks about praying. When you pray, don't, you don't go out on the street corner, right, and be praying super loud for everyone to see. That's the only reward. That's the only answer you're going to get from God. That's your reward is the attention you're getting. Same thing with, with, what, with fasting. He says many people, what, they want to go on a fast. And they want to announce it. They want to, he said the hypocrites, what do they do? They disfigure their faces. They want people to see how miserable they are because they're just 
they're just miserable for Jesus. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're going through it. Man, I'm just really getting close to Jesus during this time of really, man, I'm crucifying my flesh, telling everybody about it. He says that's the only thing they're going to get from me is the attention they're getting from other people. He said I'm not going to work on their behalf. What does he say, though? He says when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. What's he saying? Take a shower. Hey, put a little bit of gel in your hair, right? Anoint your, anoint your head. Fix, fix yourself up. No one needs to know. Why? Because it's a secret place thing, just like prayer. It's a time for me to fast for God, not for anyone else, but to draw near to him, to draw near to him. God loves, this is a great reminder from what we talked about a few weeks ago, God loves to reward us openly when we seek him privately. He loves to reward you openly when, he, when we seek him privately. In fact, as I was studying this, I had to ask myself, how many times have I fasted with, when my church wasn't fasting? You know, like many times as a church, we'll do a corporate fast, and we'll do that from time to time where, hey, we're, as a church body, we're going to take time and we're going to fast together a certain thing, or, or, or we're going to fast and be in a season of prayer and fasting. But when was the last time I fasted without someone saying, hey, you need to do it from this date to this date? You know, for me, I had to think back a little bit. Man, it's been a while since I've done that. Why? For my own decision to be closer to Jesus personally. That's a secret place. That's the difference between a secret place and, oh, I'm doing it because we're supposed to for church, right? There's a difference there. Here's what happens. God put this on my heart. Many times people reverse fast. And I've, I've been guilty of this. Reverse fast. Too many Christians are reverse fasting where they are spiritually getting fed on Sunday, but they don't feed their spirit again for six days. Monday through Saturday, they ain't taking anything in for their spirit. They're getting fed on Sunday, but then they go the rest of their week, and, man, they're not cracking this thing open. Can I tell you, I've been there. I've been there. Well, I'm not cracking this thing open. I'm not, I'm not diving in. I'm not praying. I'm not seeking God throughout my week. But what I didn't even realize I was doing is I was actually starving my spirit of food for six days. I was fasting. I was fasting the wrong part of my body. I was fasting, reverse fasting. I was fasting the wrong part of my body. Many times I, I you know, I went through years of my life where I could fool myself. Well, I listen to podcasts on my way to work or I you know, I listen to worship music, I, you know, when I'm driving or, or whatever. Podcasts outside of our church time, podcasts, worship music, do, do those things feed your spirit? Absolutely they do. But can I tell you that those are side items to the meal. This is the meat and potatoes that your spirit needs to be fed and to be satisfied. How do I get this? You need to get this yourself. I have to open my Bible and seek God. And I promise you when I do that with the right heart and we'll do what we do, what Jesus said, when I seek him in secret, what happens? He comes in and he rewards my life openly. Not just in secret, but he wants to move in my life in every area of my life. But uh, we have to remember that many times if we're not careful, we can fast the wrong part of our body. We talked about this last week. We're three different parts, right? We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. So body our flesh, right, soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we have our spirit, the real part of you that lives forever for eternity. That's, that's going to be alive whenever your physical body is dead and gone here. Here's what we have to realize, though. Whatever I feed the most of those three, whatever I feed the most, 
becomes the strongest. Whatever becomes the strongest will dominate the other two, and it will dominate my life. Whatever I'm feeding the most becomes the strongest. Whatever's strongest will dominate the other two. It will dominate the other two. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's things I want to say, but I think I'm going to let me save it for later on in the message here. God designed you. Here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. God designed you to be a spirit being controlled by the spirit. He designed you as a spirit because it's the real you that lives forever, that will live with him for eternity. He wants you to be controlled by the spirit. That's why last week, the past two weeks, we've been talking about praying in the spirit. What does it do? It helps my spirit grow and mature and to be what? Edified as we see in God's word. And because of that, it helps my spirit lead my life and nothing else. Let me show you in Romans 8 what I'm talking about here. Romans 8, 5 through 6. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the spirit or with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Here it is. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What do we see here? The strongest part of me, if my flesh is governing or, or leading my mind, what's happening? It's going to lead me to death and destruction. But if I feed my spirit and I am led, governed by my spirit, what does God's word promise? Life and peace. Life and peace. But I have to make sure I'm, what, being led by the right thing, led by the right thing. So what exactly is fasting then? What, what, what exactly is it? I think many times, if we're not careful, we can cheapen what fasting actually is. This is the simplest biblical definition I can give you. Fasting is a time set aside to pray with no provision for one's normal food needs. It's a set aside, set aside time to pray with no provision. I'm not providing for any of my normal food needs. I'm intentionally taking time to crucify my flesh and my emotions, my soul. I'm laying aside my emotions. I will not be led by my emotions. God gave us emotions for a reason. Emotions aren't a bad thing, but I will not be led by my emotions. I'm going to crucify them with my flesh so that I can seek Jesus better. I'm laying aside those things. Does anyone in here, um, have you ever been hangry before? Guilty, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm hungry, and because I'm hungry, I'm angry about it, all right? I remember uh, one of my buddies, he, he was, uh, we were working late together, and I wasn't there at the time, but they were out, they were working, doing a setup for the certain job, and they were out almost all night. And uh, he was there, and the next morning they went to get donuts, and uh, mind you, we worked at a ministry, and so they went to get donuts one morning, and they're out there, and I don't know why. It was like, I guess they ordered it, and they would bring the donuts to you wherever they were at. So he's there. They're there at the booth, and they're waiting for their donuts to get there. And he ordered a long john, you know, one of the long, the long donuts. And he's sitting there, and, you know, a few minutes go by, five minutes go by. And this guy had a tendency to get a little bit of hang, kind of get hangry. And uh, he's sitting there, but I remind, he, we work for a ministry, okay? And he's sitting there, and uh, finally, he's sitting there in silence. He just starts shaking his head. And he just, he goes, where is my dang long john? Except he didn't say dang, okay? He said like the real bad word, right? Uh, he said it, right? He just, where is it? Like yells it out. And he said the, the little lady that was behind the counter, oh, you know, she like freaked out and kind of went and grabbed the donuts really quick and kind of sped up the process. 
But what happened? In that moment, he let his emotions and his flesh get the better of him. Hangry is what? It's simply this. It's my flesh rearing its head at me, saying, I am in charge, and I want to show you what you need to be doing right now. That's why fasting is important. Now, hangry is one example. There's many other examples we could use for our flesh. Hangry is just the easiest and probably the most lighthearted one we can use. Hangry, what? It's my flesh saying, hang on, I don't want to do that. You need to feed me. Angry at you trying to boss me around saying I can't have food. Guilty, right? That's why the Bible says we need to crucify our flesh, what? Daily. (laughs) It's a daily battle with our flesh and with our emotions. Fasting without prayer is just a diet. And this is where I've messed up in the past. Man, I've fasted for, you know, a day or I fasted for a season of my life. But what I did is I fasted and I didn't, I wasn't intentional with what? Filling the void of what I was emptying out of my life with God, right? I I fasted something, but I filled it with something else. And so what happened? Something else took my time. Something else filled that role. And so what? I I fasted, but at the end of it, I don't feel any closer to God. I don't feel any stronger in my spirit. Something, something wasn't right. I was just fasting. Fasting without, without prayer is just a diet. But here's what I want us to see, too. In, with fasting, there's a difference between fasting and abstaining. Fasting and abstaining. Many times, and I'm, I've done this in the past, I say, hey, I'm going to take a Facebook fast. I'm going to take a Facebook fast, or I'm going to fast Netflix right? Biblically, that's not possible. Fasting has to deal with food and drink. I can abstain from something, which is also good. It's not a bad thing. I can abstain from social media. I can abstain from uh, Netflix. I can abstain from something that's starting to control my life and my time. I can do that. That's probably good from time to time. But again, just like prayer without, uh, fasting without prayer is just a diet, if I abstain from something, but I don't intentionally fill it with God, what happens? Well, I'm not going to watch Netflix this week, but my screen time went up 50% this week because I was just on social media or playing games on my phone. What happened? I have something. Something's always going to be begging for your time. So even though I'm abstaining from something to try to get healthy or try to put it in control or try to limit it in my life so it's not controlling me, if I don't replace it with God, something else will. Something else is always fighting for your time. So, Fasting versus abstaining. Fasting has to deal with food and with drink. Abstaining is healthy and should be done once things start to control my life. But we're specifically talking about fasting. Why or food? Why just food, though? As I did some more study on this and I started to dissect the word fasting, I realized God just dropped this on my heart as I did some, some research, is that fasting is an action contrary to the very first act of sin in the human race, which was what? Eating that which was forbidden. Fasting is refusing to eat what, that which is allowed. The very first sin, what was it? My flesh. Did God, the devil comes, did God really say, are you sure? Here comes some doubt. And then what? My flesh oh, yeah, that looks good. I'll take a little bit of that. Consuming. What does fasting do then? Here's the encouraging thing about fasting. When I fast 
and I, I, put, I put my, my flesh in check. And I say, I don't care. I'm going to fast a little bit here. I'm going to fast desserts. I'm going to do a full food fast and just do water only, whatever it is. I'm going to fast. And I do it with prayer, intentional. What happens? It takes me back to the garden. And it takes me back to a place where I can walk in closeness with God when I do it right. I can walk with God. He's with us, but I can tell you it's in a more intimate way because I'm crucifying my flesh. I'm putting aside my emotions. I'm not going to get hangry about it, right? I'll be tempted to, but I'm not going to. And what? I'm feeding my spirit. And my spirit then, and God's spirit, we just, we come together with no distractions, with nothing that's, that's pulling me away from him, more time for him. And what happens? I can walk with him. I can walk with him. I'm humbling myself. I'm starving my flesh and my soul so that I can better feed my spirit. Why? Because what I feed most is the strongest, and it will control my life. Here's what fasting is not. Fasting, it does not change God. I think that's where people, oh, if I fast and I prove myself to God, then he'll answer my prayer. That's not fasting. Fasting does not change God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Fasting transforms you. Fasting transforms you. Right? It allows me to hear from God more clearly. It brings instruction. It brings correction. Sometimes it brings revelation. It allows God's power to work through me more, uh, more powerfully. It, it makes me, what we talked about last week, a more of an open channel for God to use and to flow through. It has to flow through me. And many times fasting helps me clean out those channels so that, what? So that God can move through me and in my life. So let's talk about it. Why do we fast? Why do we fast? The number one is this, to fix your focus. I got to fix my focus. Many times there's so many distractions in this world. I heard one pastor say this, God's, maybe God, God's put something on your heart, a call on your life, and he said this, if, if the devil can't destroy it, he'll just distract you from it. If the devil can't destroy it, what he's, God's called you to do, he'll just distract you from it. Easy. He'll get you sidetracked. He'll get you looking other places, and that's what happens in our life. We can easily look other places, but let's look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. How do we do that? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. When I fix my focus on Jesus, I can live my life to the fullest potential that God has for me, not the fullest potential of what I want, the fullest potential of what God has for me. And when that happens, what happens? I strip, strip off all these weights. That means that regret for my past, it can't weigh me down. That means that sin can't trip me up. Even if I sinned in the past, it won't pull me back. And any sin in the future can't trip me up. It means that offense can't ruin my day. Guess what? I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus and though somebody said, a, said something to me that really, you know, made me mad, and whether that person cut me off in traffic, whether that person said that comment on my Facebook page, none of that offense can't touch me because my focus isn't on them. When I let somebody offend me, I've just made them the Lord of my life for that day. My eyes are fixed on them. You get to choose how my day will go. Rather than, <laughs> that's okay, that may hurt my feelings for a bit, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to keep going, looking at Jesus, moving forward, always pursuing him. And I can live every day on mission and on, on, on purpose. Fasting eliminates distractions, and it keeps us moving in that direction that God has for us. This is why in 2 Corinthians it says this. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
We walk by faith and not by sight. You know, growing up, we, I knew this verse, right? It's a pretty common verse. What does that really mean? I <laughs> walk by faith and not by sight. I would challenge us to think of it a little bit different. It's a perspective change. It's a perspective change. I need to walk by vision and not by sight. Vision and not by sight. Sight is what you see when your eyes are open. Vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. So my sight is what's happening, what's happening in the world, what's happening in my life, what's happening in my job, uh, what's happening with these bills that are piling up, piling up. I can see what's going on. What is vision? Vision is what I see when I close my eyes. I need to then, what? Faith is the vision of God's promises before I see them in the physical. Faith is the vision of God's promises being answered, coming to fulfillment before I see them in the natural. Why is that important? I can choose to live by God's vision, which is what? His word. Everything in here for you, for me, right here. These promises. I can choose to live by God's vision or I can choose to live by whatever I see in the natural, whichever one I'm focused on. Either I'm focused on Jesus and his word or I'm focused on the natural. Whatever I focus on will determine where my life goes. Whatever I focus on will determine where my life goes. You know, whenever I was learning how to drive, I know I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. Whenever I was learning how to drive and I was 15, 16, whatever, my parents would let me drive. And, uh, you know, we used to live way out in the country. And so we'd get on the highway and we'd be driving. And I was uh, pretty notorious for hitting every pothole that we came across, like every pothole. And so much so that my dad would eventually, he would tell me like, hey, there's a pothole coming up. Don't hit it. Like it's way up there. You can just barely see it. Don't hit the pothole. Like, Dad, I know not to hit the pothole. I don't know why I'm hitting the pothole. Eventually, years later, I figured out exactly why I was hitting every single pothole. It's because of this. I was focused on the pothole. I was so focused on, don't hit it. Don't hit it. Don't hit it. Okay, it's coming close. I'm trying to, where are my tires at? I'm trying to straddle it. Okay, it's getting close. <laughs> like, I hit it. Oh, my God. We're going 70, and I hit the pothole. Like, this is not good. Our vehicle cannot take much more of this. Why? I was focused on the pothole. When I got into college, I, I, I got a degree in criminal justice, and in this, this degree program, we actually got to go and we got to do uh, basically a, a mini version of the police academy. So we did everything from 40 hours on the shooting range. We did defensive tactics. We went down to Oklahoma City, and we did defensive uh, driving course where we got in p- patrol cars, and we did all these courses and stuff. And that's when I figured out what, what the problem was. <laughs> Because we got in there, and we're doing this, and we're down in Oklahoma City, and we're doing this defensive driving course. And I'm in the car. I'm in the patrol car. And I got the, 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 the guy next to me, and he's training me how to do it. And, and I'm going, and I keep hitting this one cone on the track. Every time I keep hitting it, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he said, what are you looking at when you come around the corner? I said, I'm looking at the cone because I'm trying not to hit it. He said, you look where you want to go. Don't look at what you're not trying to hit. He said, I don't care what, how tight the situation is. He says, look where you want to go, and you won't hit it. He said, you'll miss it every time. After that, everything began to click. That's why I'm hitting the pothole. <laughs> I'm focused on the pothole, and I'm hitting it. Why am I hitting this cone every single time? I'm focused on it. This is what happens in people's life. If they're dealing with a, a sin that keeps coming up, keeps coming up in their life, what happens? I'm going to get up today. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sin today. I'm not going to lust today. I'm not going to say that today. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use that language today. I'm not going to do that today. What am I doing? Focused on the pothole. What am I going to do? Hit the pothole every single time. I'm going to do that sin every time because that's where I'm focused. 
whenever I focus on Jesus and not sinning, what? I live in righteousness as he has called me to. Just the other day, I use this all the time. Just the other day, I'm turning in the parking lot, trying not to hit this curb right in front of me, right? And so what do I do? I'm trying not to hit the curb, but it's going to be tight. And so what I do is I just literally turn my head all the way over here while I'm driving the car because I'm like, oh, don't look at the curb. I'm not going to hit the curb. I don't know how it works out, but I didn't hit the curb, okay? Physics somehow, but that's what we need to do with spiritually every day. Fix my focus. When I do that, what? I can run with endurance. Sin can't stop me. Weights won't hold me back. I'm not focused on this thing I keep on doing. Well, it's just going to be part of my journey. I'm just going to deal with it for years. I, I don't see that in God's word. Strip it off. Run with endurance. How? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And what happens? When I fast, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to crucify my flesh. I ain't going to raise. My flesh will not rear its head at me. You ain't going to tell me what to do. My spirit is going to tell me what to do. My emotions won't tell me what to do. My spirit will tell me what to do. The second one is this. There's more reasons why we fast, but here's a couple of the big ones I, want, I feel like God put on my heart for today. The second one is this, to remove doubt and to build faith. To remove doubt and to build faith. Many times, breakthrough closely follows a season of prayer and fasting. Many times, breakthrough comes through a season of, of prayer and fasting. Let me, let, let me read a story from Matthew 17. In this story, Jesus has he's been, and he's been on the Mount of Transfiguration with a few of his disciples, and when he comes back, he sees this commotion going on, and Jesus is walking up, and he sees a few of his disciples and some of the religious leaders, and they're yelling at each other, right? The religious leaders are getting after the disciples. There's this huge mob of people, and this is where we pick up the story. Jesus is walking up here, Matthew 17. It says, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, him being Jesus, kneeling down to Jesus and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and he said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Remember that. We'll come back to that. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus, he rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then what happens, right? A little bit later on, the disciples, when it's just them and Jesus, the disciples come to Jesus privately. Why could we not cast it out? Because up until this point, they did. They've cast out demons. They've seen people healed themselves. Why can't we do it, Jesus? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, what is that? It's literally a crumb. It's a crumb. If you have that amount of faith... You'll say, move from, from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Here's the key verse. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I'm going to look at three key things right here. The disciples pray, and nothing happens. They're praying. We've done this before. Why isn't it doing it? Why isn't something happening now? When Jesus returned to his disciples and he sees this commotion and he sees what's going on, Jesus didn't walk up to his disciples and say, well, did you pray in my name? What scripture did you use? Okay, well, you prayed in my name. You used the right scripture. Did you say it like this? Okay, well, I mean, you did those three things. I guess it's not God's will for the boy to be healed. Jesus didn't say that. How often have we said that in the church? How often has the body of Christ in 2020 said that? 
well, you must not be. What does Jesus do? Man, he shows up and he shows the will in the heart of the Father and he says, guys, first thing he does, he corrects his disciples. Why? He corrects them because they could do it. He'd given them the authority to do it and it was his will. He wouldn't correct them if it wasn't God's will or if they couldn't. He would have said, sorry, this is just mine. Let me do it. There's a lesson for us right there. That's this different message. Here's what he says. Faithless and perverse generation. You'll read through the gospel. Many times you'll see he says faithless and adulterous generation sometimes. Like perverted, adultery. <laughs> These are harsh words. Jesus like, hey, man, like why are you saying that? Jesus is using harsh language just like that because he's showing us that many times we cheat on the things of God with the things of this world. We cheat on the things of God with the things of this world. Our mindsets. I think like the world rather than saying, I have the mind of Christ. I'm not going to let those thoughts own me, live in my mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make every thought, take it captive, make it obedient to, the, to Christ, to his word. Our beliefs. I believe just like the world believes. Well, hope something changes rather than believe God's word above what anyone says. My lifestyle, I'm commanded to be a shining light in a world of darkness. But you never know sometimes. Sometimes it's easy just to live like everyone else because ah, I don't want to be the weird guy. I don't want to be a fanatic. I don't want to be extreme, right? I, want, I need to be in the world. You know, I don't want to be too extreme. Otherwise, I can't lead people to Christ. That's not, <laughs> that's not it. My words, I talk just like the world. I joke just like the world. No one would ever know by how I speak. I fight with my spouse just like the world. I'm not called to that. Jesus addresses it harshly. What's he say? That is perverted and that is adultery. It's adulterous. Why? Because I'm cheating on the things of God. I said I was sold out. I had a covenant with him. Yet I acted this way. Just as someone who had a covenant with their spouse acted a different way. Jesus wasn't playing around. He wasn't playing around, but for good reason. Why? We know the end of the story. The boy's healed. Bring the boy to me. Why does he address it so harshly? So that we can experience the fruit that he has for us. Not to hold us down, not to scold us like a father that's disappointed. He's not disappointed. He's saying, guys, come on. I've shown you. You've even done it in the past. Go all in now. Run with it now. Don't wait for me to come faithless and perverse. The second thing he says is this, the disciples then, after they, you know, walk away with their tail tucked between their legs, they pull Jesus aside. Why couldn't we do it? They want more. Why couldn't we do it? Because of your unbelief. We just talked about it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Here's what Jesus was saying, because of your unbelief. You believed what you saw physically more than what you could see spiritually. What happened? They begin to pray for the boy. The boy falls down starts having his fit. He's foaming at the mouth like I'm sure th this demon is saying all kinds of stuff. So what happens? They're praying, but what they saw crushed their faith in here. They believed that thing more than what they had solid in here. He said, you, you didn't believe. You didn't see how I see. Jesus walks up and what's he see? He sees the boy healed while he's writhing and foaming on the, uh, at the mouth. He sees him healed. 
And God's saying, you can live that way. That's walking by faith in my vision, not by sight. Then he says, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Again, fasting is not manipulating God to move. Well, God, I've been fasting for 40 days. Now I need you, I need you to, to move. It's not manipulating God to move. Many times fasting is removing doubt in me so God can move. So God can move. It cleanses me. It helps remove that junk in my life. There are times when breakthrough only comes after a season of intentional, fervent prayer and fasting. But here's what happens too, going back to what the disciples did. Many times we think we're using faith to pray and to stand for an answer from God. But the issue is, and I've done this, I can't even tell you how many times, too many times I've put faith in faith rather than faith in God. I put faith in faith. Faith in faith says, well, if I do this, say this, and speak this, God will move. Where's my focus? What I'm doing. Faith in God says, because I've spent time with my heavenly father, because I know him intimately, I know his will, I know his word, and I believe it, I trust it. I know his spirit lives in me and wants to work through me. And because of that, I believe that and I'm not, not some formula. I believe that when I pray, I expect God to move because I'm praying in alignment with his word. And he said, if I pray in agreement with his word, that he hears it and he moves and I have the answer. I'm not trusting, I'm trusting God. I'm not trusting some formula. I'm trusting that if he said it, he will do it. That's faith in God. It's relationship. But how many times have I been praying for something and I've just been having faith in faith? If I do, then God. <laughs> God already, he already promised. So I need to go for more of him. And when I do that, what? It frees God to move. My faith is built. My doubt is stripped away. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's, here's a different way of saying that. Faith is established conviction concerning things unseen, and it's a settled expectation of future reward. Established conviction. <laughs> I already know. I see the way God sees. I don't see my healing but I can see it in my heart's eyes with his vision. I know I'm healed. Established conviction. I'm convinced of it. Convinced. Not persuaded. I'm convinced of it. And what? Settled expectation. I can't wait to see what God does. I have no doubt that he will move. Settled expectation. And while I'm waiting, sometimes I'm standing in faith and a storm comes. And it's like, man, I'm standing in faith. God, where are you? Why haven't you answered the prayer yet? And I'm standing in faith and the storm comes. But settled expectation is the key. Settled, concrete in what? In the rock, not in sand. Because many times you will be tested when you're standing in faith. And when the storm comes, I have to have settled expectation. Man, it's windy, it's rainy, and it looks bad. But I know where I'm standing is the best place in the world because it's on God's word best place in the world. Why is it important for us to pray and fast? Number one, Jesus told us to, right? Why is it important for me to 
to go and to remove doubt and to build faith? Why is it important for me to fix my eyes on Jesus and to fix my focus? In Hebrews eleven six, it says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You want to please God with your life? You have to have a, you have to live a faith-filled life. Faith pleases God. It makes him so happy. Why? Because you're trusting your relationship. That means you have a relationship with him. You're not trusting your religion. You're not trusting the doctrine of your church. Well, we say we believe this, so that's what I'm believing. You believe him. You don't believe a doctrine. You believe him. If you want to please God, have a, live a faith-filled life. How do I do that? How do I have faith in God? Diligently seek him. We've talked about a bunch of ways to diligently seek him. Pray in the spirit. Have a prayer time uninterrupted every single day. Another great way is pray and fast. Take time to feed. I'm going to intentionally feed my spirit, starve my flesh. Even when it gets angry, I'm going to starve my emotions. I'm not going to let them control my life. I'm going to feed my spirit. Why? So I can be led by the spirit in my life to the fullest. Here's a reflection questions for your community groups as we wrap up. Number one is this. These are for us to be truly honest with our spouse, with our friends as we get together this week. Have I been, what have I been feeding more of this? Uh, how did I word it? <laughs> what have I been feeding the most lately? What have I been feeding the most lately? I know a lot of people, they watch TV, they watch all these dramas, they watch reality TV, right? Watch The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and, they, and their relationships are a wreck. They're an emotional roller coaster. I'm not bashing TV or anything like that. I'm just saying, when we feed our emotions like that, it becomes the strongest and it will run our life. Why are my emotions a wreck? What have I been feeding on? How long has it been since I've fasted? Biblically, right? Not abstained from something, but fasted. A meal, something like that. How long has it been since I've fasted? Has my faith been in faith or has my faith been in God? Am I trusting a formula or am I trusting my heavenly father who loves me dearly, who is good? The action step is this. Pray and fast a part of your week this week. I'm going to challenge you to, to take this and make it personal. For you, maybe it's a meal. For you, maybe, uh, maybe I don't know, maybe it's dessert. For you, maybe it's a day. Hey, I'm going to take a day and I'm just going to, I'm going to drink just liquid or just water, whatever it may be. We'll do a season where we pray and we fast together, but I want us to do what Jesus said and say, you know what? Take this, take it home, get with your spouse, get with somebody if you want to, or just do it by yourself and say, you know what? God, what do you want me to fast this week? Let me go a day. What, what do I need to do and why? Why do I need to do it? What do you need to address in my life? Take some time, do something. Even if it's a meal, a snack, See what God will do if you pray and fast. Let's, take, let's pray really quick. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. You're so good. You're so good. God, we thank you for setting us up for success, that you've given us your word. You've given us examples through Jesus and his disciples that we can learn from, we can take to heart, and we can believe and we can live out. And Father, I just pray that as we take this week, 
And as we are intentional to pray, as we're intentional to fast and to feed our spirit more, more intentionally, God, I thank you that you reward those that diligently seek you, that we walk by the spirit. We're led and governed by our spirit, which leads to life and it leads to peace. And God, I just pray right now that you would work on our behalf. Work on our behalf, God. Strengthen us. Help us. Give us insight. Give us revelation. God, if we've, if we've gone dormant in our walk with you, God, light it on fire again for you. Let us be passionate people that are sold out to your word above all else. We thank you for it, God. We walk in expectation of what you're going to do as we seek you, as we live in obedience, and as we walk in according to your word. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.